Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. All right, we're talking about a sexless marriage. You know, good sexual relationships built on emotional intimacy and closeness and affection. In other words, if you're hoping to improve your physical relationship, you need to first work on your emotional connection. You have to focus on meeting your partner's needs and communicating your own needs in a loving, respectful way. You have to realize that if you're in a relationship, you've actually chosen to suffer for another person. That means you, you are navigating life, understanding the hot points of your partner to every degree you possibly can, and you're taking that into consideration as you're operating through life. You know, there's a whole bunch of issues that people can throw into their sex life in relationships oftentimes the sexual relationship, the intimacy becomes the battleground of a relationship. And for people to rekindle their passion and their love, they need to turn towards each other. And that means they have to become emotionally attuned to each other. That means they have to be vulnerable. Many people have conflicts in trust emotionally, where one throws temper tantrums or acts like a child or does stupid things. Basically, emotional trust is one of the main ingredients that leads to the battleground of no sexual contact. Obviously, the other two trust factors would be uh, physical trust and financial trust. And then once again, we have emotional trust. But emotional trust is usually the main pathway to when people are not connected to each other. You know, so a positive need is a recipe for success for both the person uh, wanting the sex and the person receiving. It conveys that both people unconditionally accept each other, that they're willing to participate in something very intimate where they're putting themselves in a vulnerability state with each other and they share that. This is a very important thing for marriage if it's going to operate. If you're going to make intimacy your battleground, that is going to hold enormous resentment. When people hold anger and resentment for each other, that means your partner is actually your opponent. They are not your partner. They are somebody you're supposed to strike back at, somebody that you're supposed to hurt. Every time people are angry or resentful, they are sending out the signal that everybody involved in that has to be in a fight or flight mode. The, the run that's producing anger and resentment, ang resentment that comes out, by the way, in sarcasm. But the bottom line is, as these two people operate, they are going to be in fight or flight. Do you think that's sexy? No, it's not sexy. You think anger is sexy? No. You think resentment is sexy? No. But people in marriage feel so entitled to certain things that they have to and they demand of another person, even if it's not in their wheelhouse, that expectation on a person is unrealistic and depressing and anxious. It causes enormous amounts of anxiety. What if you called it a preference? I prefer that we did this. I prefer that we did that instead of expect. Because when you expect something from people, you're going to be gravely disappointed in this life. You can expect things from goals, but not from people. That is not in the cards, especially when we're navigating relationships. People have to ebb and flow. There is no fair. Fair is a place where they judge pigs. There is no justice in a marriage or a relationship. You have to ebb and flow. That is the rule. But people these days want justice and fairness. And if my expectations aren't met, I'm going to punish you for that. And that is the immaturity that leads to the problem of sex being a battleground. The other thing is conflict avoidance. Some people rate their sex 
or they look at sex as a way to be measured. And when that happens, you're also setting yourself up for failure because sex doesn't always measure up to a, perf a perfect ideal. It oftentimes is very subjective and very gray. And you have to be understanding that sometimes it's wonderful, sometimes it's absolutely fabulous, and sometimes it just absolutely sucks. And sometimes only one of you gets anything out of it. Sometimes both of you get nothing out of it. But that's the way it goes sometimes. And if you start making sex a rating game, that's going to be another reason why you're going to have problems in the bedroom. Early phase of marriage, many couples barely uh, uh, come up for air due to the excitement of the honeymoon stage of falling in love. Physical affection sets the stage for touch and uh, that is focused on pleasure. And, uh, you know, if you set a goal of, of doubling the length of times you kiss and hug and use sensual touch, if you want to improve your marriage, is a good idea. But going back and comparing yourself to the honeymoon phase when everything is new is really ridiculous. It's out of the, out of the wheelhouse of the normal human being. Um, so what we really, really have to understand is that with sex, we have to be extremely careful to understand that it is not a comparative uh, uh, thing that we do. It is an experiential thing that we do. Holding hands, hugs, tender touch are great ways to affirm your love for your partner. Understanding the difference between intimacy and affection. Affection can lead to intimacy, but a lot of people will go straight to intimacy without having to do affection. And when that happens, that means we're not emotionally connected the way we need to be. And you have to understand you have to invest in both. You know, sexual attraction is hard to maintain over time. You know, the lack of passion because they're unwilling to give up control or show vulnerability is huge. The other time is we box each other out with our schedules, with our uh, transactions that we have to do with our work, with I feel tired, I'm up, I'm this, I'm that. Come on. If it's important to you, you'll make time for it. That's the bottom line. But some people transactionalize themselves so much and are so emotionally unavailable that they cannot make room for sex because that's just not a priority. And what that means is that person who is avoiding sex it has a fear of intimacy. They have a fear of not being good enough. They have a fear of not being able to connect properly. They have a fear of not being emotionally available. And that calls for some great introspection of different people. You know, it's really hard. You know, most sexual concerns stem from an interpersonal struggle in marriage. That means the communication is usually where things are falling apart. That means that we're not caring enough about each other, that we're not compassionate enough to identify how each other is struggling through life. You know, whether because you're running yourself ragged, raising kids, or you're not feeling comfortable in your own skin, or you've simply gotten in a rut, or there are a lot of reasons married couples find themselves in a dry spell. But if you're sexless marriage, it doesn't mean you're headed for a, an instant divorce or a lifetime of chastity. It also doesn't mean you're alone. You got to learn how to break the ice. You got to learn how to understand that maybe it's not going to be perfect the first time. Maybe it's just going to be uncomfortable because you've waited for so long. I have had couples that have actually waited 35 years to have sex because of their own resentment for each other. They raised their kids. The kids have left the house and they still resented each other until they finally discovered sex was supposed to be a part of their marriage and now they're uh, now they can't keep them apart. It's just sad that people make that a battleground because that is one of the most special things that you should share to celebrate your relationship and your feelings towards each other. You know, if one partner wants sex more than the other wants it, try different things to spice it up in a relationship. Maybe you should get a toy. Maybe if you can't get your you know, penis up, why don't you get a toy so that that person can at least have some type of pleasure? You know, the bottom line is people get so prideful about their sexuality. But the deal is, if you're in marriage, you can't afford it because what you're doing is you're making your partner pay the price for how you feel about yourself. 
What you want to put is your partner first and foremost and their needs first and foremost. Does that mean you have sex every time they want it? No. But what it does mean is you make it available and you don't make it a battleground. You know, it's really important to develop some kind of erotic template in a marriage where you both understand what makes each other attracted, where you understand what makes each other aroused. That is an important thing. And it may be that it's all in your head. Maybe it's the idea of talking about sex. Some people use words to find their sexuality. Others use touch to find their sexuality. Others use flirting to define their sexuality. But everybody has a pathway to your eroticism. And that needs to be found out for both people, not just one. You know, having an open conversation about your love life and your union as a marriage, might you might find that even there's sexual mismatch. Where the partner is, is one partner's love language is intimacy and the other partner is maybe uh, uh, giving gifts. You know, whatever that is, you have to understand that your love language are needs and not wants. And when a person has a need for intimacy, that and you start denying them a need, which is not a want, once again, a need is very fundamental emotional desire. It's something that we just have to have as a person. That's why it's a love language. If other people is receiving gifts, that's their love language. Whoever's with that person has the responsibility to meet that need. It's very important for all of us to come to grips with the understanding that we're not the same person. And a lot of people in a relationship will love the other according to their own love language. So if you have intimacy as a need and that's your love language, you have a tendency, if you're lazy and selfish, to project your need on your partner rather than meet the need that they actually have. And a lot of people are so selfish and so caught up in themselves that they only want to meet their own need. And they think that if I show intimacy to you, that means I love you. Well, that's not how the person may receive it. And so if you want that person to feel needed and wanted and to feel safe and comfortable, you have to meet them at their love language. You know, after having, you know, talks about your sexuality, it's really important to understand that that needs to be an ongoing thing, not to rate your sex life, but understand how to make it better with each other. You know, the lack of time and energy often impacts your sex life. It also uh, creates a problem of having date nights. A lot of people can't stand the idea of actually scheduling a time to have sex. Well, I'm not saying go schedule a time to have sex. What I'm saying is schedule a day, certain days of the week that you expect to at least have the, the connection to ask each other if you want to have intimacy or to approach each other or to actually expect one or the other of you to pursue a sexual connection. That's an important thing. Also, maybe a pocket of time on those days where affection is acceptable is conversational is willing to be discussed because a lot of people put that off and put that off and put that off. You have to understand that when you're busy, if you're working, if you have kids, if you have bills, if you have responsibilities, as these things collect over life, it's overwhelming. But the deal is you have to cut time out for pockets of time that you can either discuss or pursue intimacy with each other. We all need to feel like we belong to each other. If we want to feel like we are at home with each other, we have to feel like we belong together. You know, if you've done that and you find yourself, you know, fed up with the idea that we don't belong together, I don't think you want to be with me. If that is a continuous conversation, it's going to make its way into the bedroom because obviously you don't want to have children with somebody that is not emotionally connected to you. You sign up to suffer for each other in a relationship. And if you're not doing that, you're not doing the job. That means you have to put your partner's needs, their pain, their struggles in front of you all the time. And when you're navigating situations, you're understanding their pain points. This is huge. If we can't do that, we oftentimes will not find ourselves wanting to be connected sexually. And you can learn to explore and share your interests with each other. And you can create new ways to connect. 
And some of that can be fantasy. And, and sex is a way of feeling connected. And it can actually uh, really be fun. And it also can contribute enormously to your physical health. Because people that have sex oftentimes want to keep their bodies in better shape. A lot of people that don't have sex turn into blobs. And that's because they never have sex. They don't have to use their body in that way. So they no longer look at themselves as sexual. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk about a sexless marriage. Come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Dr. Connie Mariano is a groundbreaker. She was the White House physician to three presidents, toured the world on Air Force One, and has had countless amazing experiences. The one thing that life didn't prepare her for was becoming a widow. After losing her beloved husband, John, in a tragic accident, Dr. Connie joined the one million women who were widowed in the United States each year. While her journey as a widow has been one of intense grief and sorrow, it has also been one of extraordinary growth and rebirth. Now, Dr. Connie is sharing what she's learned, joined by her knowledgeable guests to help anyone struggling with this deeply personal and often lonely journey of their own. Tune into The Widow's Walk, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about a sexless marriage. You know, there are sex types of people. One of them is the sensual type. And this sex language refers to someone who loves taste and smell when it comes to the bedroom. And they bring their artistry in there. They want to talk beautiful, make a beautiful setting. Uh, They want to make erotic play. Um, The superpower of sensual is their full body access to orgasmic pleasure through sensations. And it isn't always genital focused. And so it's important to understand that some people are very sensual. It could be something like somebody feeding you a delicious piece of chocolate while they lick the back of your knee. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy, crazy stuff out there for the sensual type of person. Many people are deeply in search of another sensual person. They would love to have a sensual person. That would be a wonderful thing. But maintaining that in a marriage When you see people go to the bathroom and do all kinds of crazy other things, oftentimes the sensual type can get turned off very quickly. And so what you have to understand is fantasy for the sensual type is a high regard. That means that is something that you definitely want to participate in for each other when you've identified that one or the other is a sensual type. There's also the energetic type, and they turn... On, uh, they're turned on by anticipation, space, teasing, longing, yearning, and they're also very, very, very sensitive. And the energetic may well be your love language if you feel everything before the kiss happens. 
So it's like, oh my God, oh my God, we're going to kiss. We're going to kiss all oh, that feeling. You see that anticipation can be a wonderful thing for the energetic type. They're looking for that connection, that energy between the other person. If you're married, it's boring as hell because your energy and connection at 1030 at night after a long day is not that great. So what you want to understand is you have to turn that engine on and it takes time. It takes flirting. It takes that kind of anticipation for that person to want to get that kind of energy. You know, these people are very sensitive. And so it doesn't take much to turn them on. It's like dripping a pebble in the water. But if you drop the pebble, the ripples will go out. And yes, the signals will go. Once again, those signals is anticipation, space, teasing, longing, yearning. That is their need from an asexual uh, type. Then there's also the sexual type. And this is someone who's turned on by what we think of as adult content in our culture. Nudity, genitals, orgasm, penetration. Those who have a sexual type are often turned on pretty easily and can go from zero to 100 pretty quickly. That's not that there's a lack of depth in them, but there is a simplicity in this person they they it's like i love this this is what works let's do this and that has to do with nudity genitals orgasm penetration they're very visual type of people they're also very straightforward in some ways so it's easier to access arousal through the genitals of this kind then there's also the kinky type and unlike uh, any of the other types they are someone who's turned on by taboo whether it's something psychological or physical sensation-based. And these are the people that get into big trouble because they're kinky. They go out into the world, and if they're committed in a relationship, they're flirting, they're doing all kinds of things because they love the taboo. And whether it's something you know physical, psychological, they're going to go for it. And on the psychological end of it, the kink is where power dynamics are involved, while something more sensation-based is more about the feeling of the ropes on their skin or the impact play or the intense sensation that arrives. So, you know, these are your BDSM people. These are the people that really love that uh, role play stuff. They love the dynamic of the sexuality. They love the role play, the power differential in the sex play and it's not necessarily what we think of as kink it's about what taboo is for that particular person and taboo can be a lot of things that maybe were discouraged when they were younger and that's just part of life and you have to understand that some people are built like that and you're not going to change them you're not going to value system you're not going to throw religiosity at them and change who they are these are the porn people. They love pornography. They love stuff like that, that. Not that the other sex languages don't. They do because they'll search for pornography that match their sexual needs. But the, bo the bottom line is the kinky type is a little bit quirky. And if you're a partner, your partner is a kinky type, you're going to have to have a little kinky too if you want to have some kind of sexual connection with them. That means you're not ridiculing them and making them feel guilty for it. You're actually participating from that perspective. Then there's this thing called the shapeshifter. And that's someone who can be turned on in every possible way. Sensual, sexy, sexual, kinky, energetic. Their superpower as a shapeshifter is that they can shapeshift to, 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 to be an amazing lover to any kind of person. And they can say, oh, my partner is sensual. I'll shapeshift to sensual. And then they're turned on by that. So what they are is they're turned on by whatever turns you on. And that is what the shapeshifter is all about. Now, does that mean they're a great leader? No, because they don't have any particular... A way of getting to sex that is important to them. It, what's important to them is they meet your pathway to sex. And also in a marriage, if you want to reset the sexuality, you know, you have to understand that your body is changing all the time. 
and your needs are going to change all the time and your pain, your physical pain in your body is going to change all the time. Your emotional climate is going to change all the time. That's why I say if you're not in tune with each other, you're going to have a hard time navigating sex. But here's the other thing. If you're going to fall back on I'm tired, I'm in pain, I'm this, I'm that, I can't, I can't, I can't, you know, it hurts me. Find another way to be sexual. If your vagina is sore or if your penis is not getting up, you still need to find other ways to conduct intimacy. Intercourse is not just intimacy. There's a whole lot more to intimacy than that. And you need to find other ways to be intimate if you want to keep the love going. You know, it's, it's really important to, that if you're cold towards a person sexually, that is going to manifest in reciprocity of coldness towards you. You know, it's really hard to want to be sexual with somebody who's a cold fish. If you want to be a cold fish and still want to be married, you're going to have a, a little bit of trouble. You're being a little egotistical. You're not thinking of your partner. You're thinking of your cold fish self. And if you're going to live as a cold fish, you're basically coping with life and not living. People that have an active sexuality actually embrace the idea of their life has meaning and they love being alive, which is amazing to be alive because sex is a celebration of life. It's a celebration of each other. It is a way to acknowledge each other and feel better. But what's sad is many people will make a reason why this wonderful pleasure is so awful and why it can be so bad. They find ways to demonize sex, and, and that's come through religion, that's come through social factors. There's all kinds of crazy that has developed the idea of why sex can be a taboo. Sex is not a taboo. It is a celebration, and we need to look at it that way. You know, we also need to look at our self-worth. Is our self-worth in the sports that we watch in the activities that we have, in the work that we do, if that is going to become all of you, none of that is sexy. Sports are not sexy. I'm sorry. You know, work, not sexy. I'm sorry. So if your identity is being a cop, if your identity is being a lawyer, if your identity is being an engineer, I'm sorry, your sexuality is dead as a doornail because you're so tied up in your job, in your identity, in your obsessions like sports, that you have no sexual nature. That is just a byproduct. Oh, well, it's halftime, so I guess we'll go have sex. Ooh, ooh. Now I get the best of both worlds. Well, that puts sex on the back burner. I'm sorry. Sex has to be on the front burner of your marriage. Very important to understand that we, if we want to feel whole, have to be accepted physically and intimately and personally and emotionally and financially and we want to not be searching for something else. If you're searching for something else or if you're looking at pornography, your partner cannot compete with that. Your job is to make them sexy, not them make themselves sexy to you. It's your job to make them sexy. You need to find a part of them, a part of their body, a part of their nature, a part of their character, a part of something that is in them that is sexy to you because something was sexy to you or you wouldn't be with them. And you need to re-identify that quality and exacerbate it as a pathway to your own personal intimacy. You know, you also have to acknowledge your hurts. In your communication with each other, if you've hurt each other's feelings, you need to state it. You need to communicate your hurts to each other. You need to understand that not only do you communicate it, you don't rebuff it and go, oh, no, you don't feel that way. How could you feel that way? I didn't mean to hurt you. I didn't mean to do that. No, you know, I didn't say that. I didn't do that. You know, all that kind of crap is just ego. It's ego and narcissism. If you want to truly love each other, you have to go, I'm sorry that hurt your feelings. I can understand how you could perceive things that way. I get that. I understand that. That means you acknowledge it. And I know that three-fourths of you are out there going, I do that all the time. Well, it's bullcrap. If you have this problem, there's a good chance you're blowing smoke straight up your butt. The deal is, is that we have to embrace other people's perceptions, other people's hurts, 
other people's desires. We have to understand that they come from a different world than we do, and meanings are entirely different from them to us. If something like uh, misreading an email or misreading a text means something to your partner, you have to acknowledge that. If you want to be in a relationship, you have to acknowledge another person's perception fully and completely unless you want it to be a continuous argument. If you're going to sit there and be defensive and deflect, that's not sexy and that's not going to lead to a great sex life unless you're able to put it in a box and we have sex and then we hate each other. We have sex and we hate. Great. That's a great way to live. No, you need to accept the fact that both of you come from different worlds and you're constantly navigating those two worlds and bringing them together. The other thing is we want to be friends. And that means full acceptance, full belonging of each other. You know, and the problem is a lot of people are married, but they're not friends. You know, cherish is I cannot be the person I am without, without this person. I don't even know why they're with me. I am so lucky to have them. They're my best friend. It's that way when I'm with them. It's that way when I'm not with them. Now, that doesn't mean you feel that way all the time. But that needs to be your baseline. That needs to be where you resonate with your partner if you want it to exist. The other thing that makes relationships not sexy is that we're always just trying to be together and threatening a breakup. Okay, that's not sexy either. I'm sorry. If you're threatening divorce every other day, you're probably not going to have much of a sex life. Pretty stupid to do that if you want to live in. If it, you, The deal is if you're going to bring up a breakup, do it when you're ready to break up and you have the plan. Don't do it throughout the whole relationship because what you're doing is you're holding your relationship hostage. That's not sexy. That's threatening. That affects a person's safety. If a person is not safe, they're not going to feel sexual. So, you know, understand something about human nature. If you're going to make people feel unsafe, you're not going to have sex. That's the way it goes. You have to be a protector. You have to be someone uh, on their side, wanting their pleasure, wanting them to feel safe with you if you want to have a sex-filled life with your partner. If you're not a person who looks out for your partner to protect your partner, there's a good chance that you both resent the hell out of each other. If you're going to be in a relationship and it's a try, it's not going to work because there's always the back door. It has to be we will be together, and it is not negotiable. It is will be together. If it's a marriage, it's a covenant before God. It's the only covenant you're ever going to have. A lot of people treat it like crap, but the truth is if you actually get married before God and you make it a covenant and you say your vows and the woman walks down the aisle as a semblance of God making a covenant to man, then you're in a covenant. And that's a will. We will be married. It's not a we'll try to be married. Yes, I'll, I'll try. A lot of relationships are a try and tries don't have great sex. And if they do, it's, it's only uh, for a time until everything blows up. You know, you also have to do a sexual reset. And that means you need to set the stage for where we are today, where our bodies are today, as globby and ugly as they may be, where our looks are today. And we have to make that sexy for each other. We have to make each other sexy in some way. So what the deal is, if you're going to have sex and you feel like crap about yourself, the truth is your body is their problem. Their body is your problem. And that's how you guys have to negotiate. You have to go from that, not self-criticizing yourself as you move into a sexual relationship, trying to envision how ugly you are while you're having sex. That's not sexy at all. You're, their problem is you and you, they are your problem. That's how you have to view it. You know, when sex is difficult and fraught with emotion, it's easy for each night to feel stressful. Well, you know, are we going to do it tonight? Are we going to not do it tonight? Are we going to fight? You know, are we going to be turned down? Is this going to be pure rejection? You know, if you've done it 
as far as understanding to how to set the stage for a palette of opportunities and how to flirt with each other and how to develop affection with each other and you've developed some kind of repertoire, you guys know when you're sending the signals. What's better is when you have set a time and said, in this window of time, it's possible that we can have sex. Let's have that conversation, at least communicate about it in either verbal or nonverbal ways. Nonverbal is called meta-communication. That is your nonverbal. And we can make suggestions nonverbally. As a matter of fact, acts of love that are committed by action rather than words are 10,000 more times more powerful than the stupid words that we say, oh, I love you. Yes, I've always loved you. Yes, well, that's crap. Yes, you may love them, and that's very nice. But that's not the action. The action is the hug, the kiss, the touch. That is the real I love you. Those are the ones that mean something. Actions is so much greater than words, and that's why physical sex... Physical intimacy can't be a battleground in a marriage. It cannot happen and make it work. It doesn't work well that way. You can't make physical touch a battleground because that is the ultimate I love you. It's it's common sense, but a lot of us don't even think about that. You know, you know, you have to understand getting to love each other emotionally is really hard. And what you have to understand is it's an act of faith. You know, I don't completely trust you emotionally. I don't know how you're going to handle this. You know, you've been drinking all this time or you've been doing all these crazy things. You had this affair. You did all this stuff. I don't know. I don't trust you. But I'm going to give you faith that you are who you say you are. I'm going to give you faith today that I think you might be a better person now than you were then. Okay, that's the beginning of the bridge that you walk on to get yourself down the road towards intimacy. All right, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come right back and talk about a sexless marriage. Come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Stuck in a state of being that holds us back from creating the life we truly desire. Regardless of your own blocks or limitations, imagine an easier way to get unstuck and move forward with your life. On this show, Jason Hopkins shares his practical next right step approach that will move you toward the life you really want. You too can be steps from getting the abundance, love, support, and fulfillment your heart desires. Get unstuck. Move forward with your life with Jason Hopkins. Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. You know, if you're going to have intimacy in a relationship, you really have to understand that intimacy and affection are a dialogue. And if you're not having that, you need to ask each other, what is preventing us from having intimacy? What is preventing us from touching each other? What is preventing us from actually showing love to each other, especially if we're in a marriage? What the hell is that about? You know, 
are we afraid? Are you afraid of intimacy? Are you afraid you're too fat? Are you afraid you're too stinky, too ugly, whatever? Is it all in your head? But if you're married, why am I in the prison you're putting me in because you don't like how you look? Why am I in your prison? What is that about? You know, it, 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 you got to make it understand that this is a two-way street. And if you guys are holding out on each other, that's terrible. The other thing is, have you been unfaithful? Are you focused on somebody else? Are you focused on pornography? Are you jacking off all the time? If you're doing that, you probably don't want to have sex. You know, what's going on with that? Are you masturbating? You know, if you're a female or is that what you're doing? You know, you guys need to talk about this crap. You know, if you don't talk about it, you're not going to clear the air. It's very important to have these conversations. You know, and a lot of people don't take accountability. And that means you take accountability for, yes, we haven't had sex. Yes, I've probably been this. I've done that. Yes, I've done that. Take accountability. Don't just sit there and go, I've not done that. I've not done this. No, it's not me. You know, we do that all day long every day. That's the culture these days. We're all a bunch of irresponsible teenagers, even at 60 years old. It's crazy that we allow each other to blow smoke up each other's butt until we finally blow this whole planet up. And hopefully we get a reset once that happens. You know, the other thing is excuses. We make excuses for everything in our lives, from not going to the gym, to skipping birthdays, to, to making excuses for why you're late, why you're not having sex, why you're not responsive, why you're not uh, communicating, why you're not texting each other back or calling each other back or emailing each other back. You have to take small steps towards being more sexual each and every day, which means I need you to understand that I want to have this in our life. Both of you have to make an effort, but change does not happen with both. Change has to happen with one, the one that wants it the most. And if you're going to be the one that wants it the most and you're holding out, waiting for them to actually initiate something, you're in fantasy land. If you want change, you have to lead change. And that is part of the deal. You need to put those dates on the calendar. You need to put those times on the calendar so both of you know that we're going to have these conversations. We're going to have an initiation of activity possibly in that time. What's wrong with it? What's the deal is if you're going to reject sex, if you're going to reject it, you have to use I statements and not you statements. I am tired. I am having a hard time. I am struggling with this. And if you're going to reject sex, you have to set an appointment for the next time and don't just ambiguously float it out there. You have to make an excuse if that's what you're doing, if you're so in so much awful pain to actually enjoy the greatest pleasure in this life, except for eating chocolate, then the bottom line is then you have to understand you got to set another time for it. And by the way, the chocolate is a joke. Um so, you know, you also want to make your spouse feel wanted outside the bedroom. If you want to heat up the sex life, part of the feeling of sexual desire is about feeling desired. Yes, actually making a person feel desired would be a wonderful thing. And to that end, find ways to feel connected, loving, sensual with your partner through the day. That doesn't mean you're always whacking them on the ass if you're a guy. No, it's not that. It's touching. It's actually showing affection. It's a kiss on the forehead, a touch on the hand, a touch on the knee. It doesn't mean you have to hover. It doesn't mean you have to interrupt them when they're doing something. It doesn't mean you're just hanging and looming over them. That is ridiculous. Back up, get away. If you're going to touch them, touch them lightly, touch them quickly, move on about your way. That is an I love you. Yes, you can have a nice hug. Yes, you can do all these wonderful things. But if you're looming over someone sexually, you are an ogre and you need to back up and stop being so selfish. You know, the deal is send the sexy message, send the sexy text in the middle of the day so that they are prepared for the idea that maybe we're going to have this thing, you know? Wrap your arms around each other every once in a while. Actually greet each other when you walk in the door and say, I love you, or say, I miss you, or give a kiss. What is wrong with that? Why can't your kids see you show affection? What is that about? Why do you have to come in and act like a freaking robot? What is that? It's not sexy, but people do it all day long because they're stupid egos. 
you know, and they're caught up in their own crap and they're mad at their spouse. And so they're going to take it out on them with this very small way of demonstrating their resentment for that person. You know, after years in a relationship, simply touching each other in an intimate way can be a huge game changer. Decide with your partner to take sex off the table for a few weeks and engage in sensual touching exercises if you're so freaked out about having sex. You know, sensual touching exercises. Take sex and off the board. If having sex and actually intercourse is painful or is scary or you can't get it up, do something else for a while until you lead up to that. And yeah, maybe you got to go to the doctor and get some medication. Or maybe you got to put some lube job down there. Whatever you do, you got to do something about it because you're punishing your partner by withdrawing from sex. You have to give them loving, affectionate touches from head to toe. That is love. Yes, massages can be love. Yes, touching can. Yes, even cracking someone's back can be love. It is all about that. And you need to have that with each other because if you don't enter that body space, that two-foot body space, you're not claiming each other's real estate. And that means we're unfamiliar with each other because we don't enter the body space. If you're not going to enter that, that real estate is going to be claimed by someone else who does want to elicit sexual feelings with that person. That body space is your intimacy zone. If you in a marriage avoid that intimacy zone, you are leaving your real estate state of the partner you have unprotected. You need to enter that space if you want the love to grow. There's also stress behind intimacy. You know, first and foremost, we need to view it as fun. But if you're going to put stress around it, oh my God, they're going to want to have sex tonight. Oh my God, we've got that appointment and I know I'm so tired or I just don't feel good or I think I got a cold coming. That's fine. You can have your excuse it, it, but you have to make an alternative time. That's just all there is to it. It's easy to get stuck in sexual ruts with your partner. Always the same position, same time of day. You know, to, you got the routine down. Break it up. If you're going to have sexual routines, that's nice. That's great. That's your old faithful. Wonderful. But if you want to have intimacy, you need to get beyond your robotic sex techniques. You need to actually understand that we have bodies that want to be touched. Touched. We have feelings. We have desires that are more than just the cardboard uh, uh, places that we use for our traditional sex. You need to spice it up. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself spicing it up with somebody else. And that's not going to be good unless you've got enough willpower to prevent yourself from that. But the deal is you're probably looking at pornography or doing something else on the side because you guys are not touching each other. And why does a person have to be mad if you guys are, if you are denying your partner sex? What the hell do you expect? Of course, they're going to try to find a way to elicit their feelings. It, you're part of the problem too. So if you made this a battleground, you need to step into the problem also. And to sit there and not want sex, but then to expect them to never feel sexual, that is the loneliest place in the world to put somebody. Marriage is the loneliest place in the world when it's not sexual. It is lonely, deeply lonely, horribly lonely, and it's a trap because you're stuck with this turd who doesn't want to have any intimacy, and you know that you could go out in the world and somebody out there would want you, and that's a terrible place to put each other. Do you really want to be sending that signal? No, but a lot of people do, and a lot of people run that risk, and a lot of people get really mad when they've denied somebody sex forever and all of a sudden they discover that person wants to have sex maybe with someone else because they've denied them. You have to step into it. You know, sexless marriage is basically one where the couple is having sex on average once a month or less. That's a sexless marriage. Once a month or less. Yes, sexless marriage is frustrating. It's isolating. It's a deal breaker. But it doesn't always mean the emotional intimacy or friendship is gone. What it means is that part of your life is not trust 
exhausted. That part of our life is the battleground. So I'll just stay married for the children, even though the children are witnessing that you guys are cold turkeys to each other. You barely touch each other. You barely stand each other. You can't even hold a conversation simply because you're not emotionally connected. That means you're both just coexisting, coping with life for the children. What a great example for them when they're married. What a great example for them to have to follow. Your example of a sexless marriage, that's wonderful. Yeah, that's what you want to do when you have kids is not show affection. You know, that's how kids feel safe with you. That's how kids know that you're connected. They know they don't have to worry about mom and dad because they love each other. They like each other that way. They have some kind of connection. I don't know what it is. It's kind of gross, but at least they're together. But when you don't have that, kids know that you're only married for them. And when they're 18, it's bye-bye. You know, it's unfortunately people hold so much resentment and they just can't let their partner out of jail. People, if you could give each other a get out of jail pass, what would that be? If you could give, if, if my wife could give me a get out of jail pass, what would that be? If my husband could give me a get out of jail pass, what would that be? Wouldn't it be great that you offered that to each other? Wouldn't it be great if you had a start over point like that? It'd be amazing. It'd be amazing, but you have to really give it. You can't just half-ass give it. You got to really give it. Society and our media tells us that men always want sex. Women put up with it because they have to. This isn't reality. Our libido constantly fluctuates depending on what else we have gone uh, going on in our lives. For instance, you know, it, 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 if a woman is in menopause, she's probably not feeling too hot. But yes. It does have to be something that she has to concern herself with. You know, maybe after menopause, she can't get uh, feel lubricated. Maybe it's hard for her to have sex. But that doesn't mean you just ignore it. That doesn't mean you stick your head in the sand. You've got to face it and try to work through it. And in the end, it might actually make you healthier. You know, physical factors can play a, a part for anyone. If you don't feel good about your own body. Yeah, a lot of us, especially during COVID, turned into the blob that ate New York City. You know, and the deal is, is you go on a diet and then the next thing you know, you've gained 20 more pounds because you've starved yourself at one part of the day and then ate like a glutton at the other parts of the day. So if you're going to do that to your body, you're also doing that to your partner. If you're going to turn into a big fat turd, you are doing that and your partner has to make that big fat turd sexy. Not good. You, if you want to have sex as a part of your life, have to make a body that can be sexual. You can't just eat all day long to pacify your comforts. You need to get in shape. You need to get in physical shape. And we're going to do a show later on about this thing called incels, which is really interesting because these are men who choose to be virgins. They choose to be celibate. And that's because they perceive themselves at the bottom of the herd. They perceive these guys that are muscular and good looking and savvy and have a lot of money and do good, have great jobs as the only guys that ever get, get a woman. And they resent women and they did, they're highly suicidal and crazy people. But the deal is these incels believe that they're the bottom of the pecking order of the male species. There's also women that put themselves in that position and have great resentment for men that are looking for the younger girl, the perfect blonde, the whatever. You know, come on. If you're going to live in your fantasy land, that's great. But now what you have to understand, if I'm going to have a sex life, I have to be sexy. I have to make myself a sexy. I have to understand what sexy is for my partner. It is work, but it's worth it. And it's something that we all need to understand. All right. That's our show. I want to thank everybody for listening. I love hearing uh, from you. And uh, you can do that at voiceamerica.com, the empowerment and health and wealth in this channel's Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Remember, relationships end because of lack of passion and commitment. And for men, if you have sex, uh, you will be happy. If no sex, you'll become a philosopher. Also, some of the greatest moments in life you can't tell anyone about. Also, women's minds are cleaner than men's. They change them more often. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. 
Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 